0: We're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Welcome, everybody. I'm going to take my mask off so that I can breathe and not pass out. Um, I am Darby Anderson. I am the small groups uh, community coach here at Real Life and happy to be so. Kudos to J- JT. Woohoo! Kudos to, to JT last week for being able to preach with a mask, um, I don't know that I could do that. I'd probably freak out and have, uh, yeah, freak out on stage on you, and that wouldn't be good for anyone. Welcome, those of you joining us online, I'm so thankful you're here. This um, message is something that's been stirring in my heart for the last year or so as I've commuted uh, here because I come from this land called Pullman. It's like super far, and so when I commute over here, um, woohoo! Paul, Paul Maniacs unite um, so anyway when i when i commute i I see the, these these beautiful fields, and um, we 're in this line of sermons uh, with, with the parables, and you know and j t tried i mean he he hit this one with really long and really difficult and you know it 's darby 's turn, so what do I do? We get two verses that's that 's about it but uh, I, I hope you you appreciate what what we 're going to talk about, but yeah it 's kingdom of heaven is like kingdom of heaven is like kingdom of heaven is like and this is one of those kingdom of heaven is like because Jesus came and introduced something new and it was it was it was something different and a, and it was something where a little goes a long way and um so that's if you got your sermon notes they're online um I encourage you to find those and maybe just maybe Someone had come to our church building and experienced some of our utterly amazing uh, hand sanitizer. Kingdom of Heaven is like a hand sanitizer that goes a really long way. And you can bathe in it if you ever come. It's really great. Um, but I've been commuting here and in, in passing these these fields. And in the, as, I, as I drive here, and I get to drive by these things called canola fields. And you're like, wait a second, this is... Uh, the, the the mustard seed sermon. But canola is actually in the family of mustard. So it's like a mustard. So a mustard seed is like a canola seed. And I get to to drive by. I don't recommend going 50 and taking photos, but that one turned out well. And, um, but yeah, it, it, it's something interesting because the little goes a long way and so the kingdom of heaven is something that's little and then God takes it and makes it bigger and better so let's take a look at Matthew chapter 13 verses 31 and through 32 my two whole verses that I'm conquering today he told them another parable the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed not many mustard seeds It's like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. So I want to pause there. It's like a mustard seed. So from one seed, a little can go a long way. And in the the fields, the the environment, the things change with, with one seed willing to go I'm going to sacrifice. I'm not going to remain a small seed anymore. I'm going to sacrifice and and plug in and and, and connect and be a part of the community. But it's interesting also that it was an intentional planting. If there's a rule book that goes along with the Bible back in the days for the Jewish culture, and in this rule book it said, you may not plant mustard in your field. Why? Why? Because the mustard will not stay in your fields. It'll, it'll grow and it'll it'll take over your neighbor's field and your neighbor's field and your neighbor's field. And that actually is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's meant to multiply. It's meant to grow. That a little would go a long way. We continue on in verse 32. Though it is the smallest of seeds, okay, those of us that are, you know, botanist or whatever, we may go, no, it's not, Darby. It's technically not the smallest seed. It is not, but it is small. And it's like saying, Darby, your brain is a pea brain. My brain is not literally a pea brain, but it's like an idiom that we might use. So it's, it's, it's the small, smallest of seeds, but it really isn't technically the smallest. But yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. The point is, is that from this small seed, a little can go a long way, and and it grows. And like JT's sermon, the 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 stuff we have is meant to bless others. And so this this mustard seed doesn't grow for itself; it grows and becomes ten feet tall or taller. taller And what's it for? It's for the exhausted birds. It's for the exhausted people that are like getting blown here and there, like in our culture, like in our society, like the hot air that I feel when I'm looking at screens. It's like a mustard seed and it grows. And because it's planted and that seed has stopped being a seed, it's now a mustard plant. It provides rest quiet, and calm because it's rooted in the community of where it is. So 30 years ago on the 4th of July, 30 years ago, so we celebrated the 4th of July last Saturday, 30 years before that, um, I had been kind of on this God search and was 20 years old with my family, and we rented a cabin in Oregon in the Cascades, and it was this beautiful place called Black Butte Ranch, and it was the 4th of July, and we'd done many things. We'd been fly fishing, did hikes and whatever. It was a cool place, and on the 4th of July, my family was going to celebrate by sitting on the couch and watching the first George Bush's fireworks On the lawn, in a real like TV tube. That's how old I was. You know, I'm old, so it was like this thing with not like high definition fireworks. It was like fuzzy fireworks, and I'm like, really? That's what we're doing tonight? And so me being the rebel that I am, but but when I left that cabin, you would if you would have said, you know, pinched me and said, you have to answer this question: Are you an atheist? I probably would have said, well, yeah, sure. I'm an atheist, but when I went to that field, I encountered God in a real way. And when you when you get letters behind your name from studying the Bible and whatever, they talk about two types of revelation. There's two types of revelation. There's special revelation, which is God's word through the Holy Spirit, and there's general revelation that that that. Because he's the creator of the universe, because he's the creator and sustainer of everything, there are ways to see God in and through his creation. And if you read the first chapter of Romans, you get some of that flavor of like, yeah, you should be able to figure out that you're not God and this universe doesn't revolve around you. And somehow at age 20, I was kind of dawning on that as I went out into this meadow And I was talking, I guess I was praying, talking to God saying, you know, who are you? What are you? Are you even real? And it was the best fireworks show I've ever seen. It was the most amazing sunset, like painted over the Cascades, just absolutely beautiful. And it just overwhelmed me that I had eyes to see. I had a mind that could perceive what was going on and all of it, I didn't create myself. There's something bigger than me, something more mysterious, magical, beautiful. And when I left that that meadow, when I I laid down and watched that sunset, it was similar to me, like being planted and going, okay, I'm no longer going to be the little seedy, hard, just me wrapped up in myself. God, who are you? I want to know who you are, and I want, to, um, I want to live and grow and get to know you, and, and it was beautiful. It was like those fields. It was, it was, it was absolutely beautiful in that surrender. You are like, oh, Darby, that's a really interesting story, but what about Scripture and, like, what about that guy Jesus? Good question. He is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, and he went before us in that process. So let's take a look at what Jesus says in John chapter 12, if we can get there. John chapter 12, verse 24. It says, very truly I tell you, and this is Jesus speaking, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. Do we know anything about wheat here on the Palouse? I should hope so. It's an amazing place as far as wheat goes. I know that Some people think gluten's the devil, but it's not. It's healthy and good. Um, But if it doesn't die, it remains only a single seed. And so, so I I think about you know, oh, Darby, before he laid down in that field in Oregon, you could be impressed. But I'm very small, and I'm not living for anything bigger than myself. I'm not. My life really doesn't have much meaning. And there, there's a hardness and a singleness to it. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So it needs to stop clinging to its selfish seediness to produce more life. Continuing on, anyone who loves their life will lose it. So, so if you cling to, no, I deserve I am this, you don't understand, look at me. And and don't get me wrong, a seed's impressive. I mean, it's got DNA, RNA, it's got a hard outer shell, sometimes there's some nutrients and stuff going on on the inside. It's really impressive, but it's small and, you know, small. Well, anyone who hates their life, in other words, who sacrifices, lays down their life in this world will keep it to eternal life. Verse 26, whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. So, so if we are followers of Jesus, if we are apprentices of him, There is not another way. You need to sacrifice. You need to give up on your smallness. I need to give up on my smallness, my selfishness, for something more, for something greater. And even Jesus, he's tempted in every way, just like we are. He's like, Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour? Should, should, I, should I remain a seed? Should I remain a kernel? No, it was for this very reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Jesus sacrificed for something bigger, for something greater. And we are online watching this. We are here in this room because he sacrificed. And from that came many seeds. And it changed the environment, and we have the potential of changing our environment, but that potential only comes from the Lord. So, Jesus' whole His whole surrender to the process enables us years later to change our environment and make it beautiful. The interesting thing about these fields, I'm sure some of you who live here know, they don't look like this all the time. Do we know that? This is like a month, maybe a month and a half, that we get to to see this. But there are other times when it looks more like this, and it has its own beauty for sure, but... Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you know you never stop working. So there's things going on under the cold ground. There's things going on as the snow compacts the seed and as the seed interacts with the community of the fields, of the, of the soil, of the air. There's things that are happening that are not easily seen. And then... Spring comes, and you see it, and it changes the landscape, and it's amazing. I'm not from the Palouse. I am from a place where they have these things called sequoias, Sequoias are the world's largest living organisms, some of the oldest living organisms. And you can say, wait a second, no, a aspen grove is the biggest. Okay. But individually, it is the world's largest organism. And many of them predate the life of Christ. For years... We protected the sequoias. Do you know how we protected them? We didn't allow any fires to get near them. And then they were wondering, where are all the little sequoias? There weren't any little sequoias. I couldn't figure it out. But there's something about these ancient giants, these amazing life-giving mirrors to miracles, there's something about them that they need the difficulty. They need the tragedy. They actually need fire. So then they allow a fire to go into a place and they, they observe something that when the fire came, the, you you'd think a sequoia, it's the biggest one. Have you ever seen those pine cones that are like almost four feet tall? They're like three and a half feet. Not a sequoia pine cone. Sequoia pine cones about like that about the size of a robin egg and they're super tight and they're like, if you threw threw it at someone, yeah, like a golf ball maybe, it hurts, okay? Not that I've ever thrown, but I have. Anyway, it's tight and it's small and whatever, but so the fires come, they release and the hot ground then makes the pine cone open and the seed that's smaller than a flake of oatmeal cruises out. The world's largest living organism comes from a seed smaller than an oatmeal flake. The kingdom of heaven is like, for me, a sequoia. And I I learned about these things and and they they actually need fire to grow. And a sequoia, once that's there, once once the fire's gone through, they they burrow in and then they, they become part of the other root system and sequoia's roots are not that deep. They're, they're 100 feet wide. They have a very big footprint, you know, 100 feet either way, and they interlock. And they, they, they also enable, like most of their branches, as you can see, there are no hanging low branches on those sequoia trees. They allow other trees to grow. And other trees and other living things like interwine their roots. And, and so I've already already known these things. And then I was at this conference And this guy's like, I don't know. I feel like I'm supposed to pray for you. Can I pray for you? I'm like, okay. I like prayer. And so anyway, he started praying and maybe prophesying over me. And he didn't know me from Boo. And he's like, you are a sequoia tree. You were planted differently. You came to God differently. But there are people that your roots are going to help them have their roots. You're going to provide rest and shade for weary people. There's stories of pioneers that would come by and they'd sleep underneath on the beds, underneath the sequoia trees. And I'm sitting there and I start weeping. I'm like, how does this guy know that I know so much about sequoias? This is weird. And then I'm like, no, God knows. God knows. God created sequoias, and and, and in his general revelation, if we go outside and turn off our screens, if we unplug the hot air of being blown around like a bird on the palouse, and the wind really blows here. Have you noticed that? I have a water tower in my backyard, and when it really blows, it actually whistles. It's like, "Mm -hmm." I have to go inside and put my headphones on because I have ADD. Anyway, so a sequoia seed, a wheat seed, a mustard seed, what does it do? How does it grow? It's not like, mm, I'm going to try hard. It's not striving, it's submitting, it's surrendering. It's seediness, it's selfishness. I'm going to remain a seed. And it sticks to the process. And the process is a communal community process. We here at Real Life believe in making biblical disciples when we bring together God's word and God's people. Something happens there, something mysterious. And there's also this thing called time, Because sometimes the fields are hard. Sometimes life is hard. Sometimes they look frozen and don't look like they have any life anywhere. But you remain. You stick to it. It happens naturally, underground, organically. And it's a beautiful thing. And a lot of times we need difficult things for better things. Just like the sequoia needed the fire to to multiply and grow. Sometimes we're like, I don't want the wind to blow. I don't want the fire. It's hard. Trust me, it's hard for me. I am am struggling. And if I'm struggling, I figure lots of us are probably struggling in this time. It's just an assumption. Maybe you all got it dialed in. It's cool if you do. But there's there's this passage in Romans... That, that inspired me. Um, I was out on my front porch talking with my neighbor, and this, this verse came up, and it's in Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5. And it says, Not only so, but we are to glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. We are to glory in our sufferings. I was not, I don't glory when I'm, I don't like wearing a mask, confession. I don't like wearing a mask. Guess what my job was last week? Telling people to wear a mask. Well, I'm like, uh, I don't want to wear a mask. It wasn't fun, but I'm figuring, hey, maybe God's doing something, I don't know pushing me outside of my selfishness and and doing something that that I hope someone else can benefit from. And it continues on in verse 5, and hope does not put us to shame. Hope does not put us to shame. That is good news. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So, so God's given us his very spirit to, to, to teach us, to lead us, to guide us his word, to ground us in what's real and what really matters. In and of ourselves, we're a small thing, but we aren't of ourselves. There's something more. 30 years ago, I laid down in a meadow and God has done some things since then. But it, wasn't, it wouldn't happen if I tried really hard. I just had to submit to a process. So if, you're on, if you have your notes from your phone, th- feel free to follow along or look on the screens here. It says God plus you equals great potential. Like a seed in, the, in and of itself, you're like, mm, protein maybe, you know. But God plus you equals great potential. Only God can unlock that potential. Because only he knows what he created you for, how he created you. And that happens in communities. That happens as we submit to a sacrificial process. Potential requires consistent sacrifice to be reached. If at some point in time the seed's like, I'm out of here, then it'll probably get eaten by a rabbit because then it'll be nice and tender. Speaking of a rabbit trail, let's continue. Um, Life is found in sacrificing what is for what could be. We have to sacrifice what is now for what could be moving forward. And and this pandemic reminds me that I am not in control. This pandemic reminds me that there are things that are way beyond me, that I am still in need of my God and my Savior. And so, whereas we've been camping out in parables, I've been camping out in this, there's two books, really small books. Calling them a book is weird. We'll call them a letter. Um, the, the letters to the Thessalonians in the church of Thessalonica. So, so I've been spending some time there and I've been tripping up over this passage that I haven't really heard preached before. So I thought we'd land here in this place where, where maybe we can be like that mustard seed, grounded, rooted, established in such a way that we are resting in him and that he then can use us to help others find some rest and some refuge. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11 says, before it said, oh, you're loving and loving well. Now it says, and make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. And that's the part we're going to camp on. You should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you. But at that part where it says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, it's there are verses that say it that say, like, aggressively seek the Lord in waiting. Like, for me, when I have to wait, boop, I check out. <laughs> like, if I have to wait, forget it. You know, I'm out of here. Mentally, I'm not, I'm not waiting around and, like, being present. I'm going somewhere in my mind. And so this is one of those things, like, is it an oxymoron? Like, how do we ambitiously pursue quiet? So I'm like, all right, let's, let's look up the Greek word. So I looked up the Greek word for ambition. And you know what that means? It means to strive after, to pursue with zeal, to passionately seek after, which is pretty much ambitiously. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, maybe I'm misunderstanding quiet life. Maybe if I look that up in the Greek, it'll be way easier for me to wrap my brain around. Quiet life means be still Rest from work. Cease altercations. Cease altercations. To know who our God is. Even when we don't see that He's working, He's working. Even when we don't feel it, faith is not a feeling. Lots of times things are happening underground. Our God is bigger than the circumstances. So I encourage you that if you're you're at home and you have your communion stuff, go ahead and start rallying that up. Um, For those of you here in the room, you could start fumbling with the uh, communion thing and cup and wrapper and whatnot. But what if we were confident enough and secure enough in who God is and resting in who God is in such a way that we could provide rest for others? That, that as the birds are, are blowing around here and coming through the Palouse, that, that we would be so rested and secure and where we're planted in the Lord that they could go, yeah, I can find shade in these hot days, which I think it's funny when we call 85 hot. But anyway, these hot days when the wind's blowing, 105 is hot, wherever Greg is. Greg, amen. Anyway, these hot days when it's 85 and the wind's blowing, we could be rooted in resting in who God is in such a way that the birds could rest in our branches and, and take time to, to regain their strength, that we at Real Life would be a calm refuge. I talked about before the idea that a seed to give birth to life, it needs to die. And Jesus was the pioneer of this, that that. that the kernel of wheat did submit to the process. And he is our pioneer. Where he is, those of us who are apprenticing and wanting to be like Jesus, we should follow. So as you take your elements, go ahead and read along with me. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember him together. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's remember him together. Lord Jesus, I am so thankful that you did not cling to your rights, that you submitted to a community of people and you you let yourself be planted you were buried you rose again and we are here today because that faith of yours we are echoing it here that we can change environments by us being grounded rooted, established in you. You make amazing things out of us. God, I pray that you would make us new, that we would find courage and strength to wrap our roots around your roots, that you would be the giant sequoia, that we would wrap our faith around, that we would be grounded and firmly established in you and God, that we would have the wherewithal to maybe wake up early and see a sunrise, maybe watch a sunset, maybe find a place where we are reminded that you are God and you are good and that our hope is in you. Lord, thanks for making beautiful things out of us.